0: Life Audio. Hey there, Heather Creekmore. Here, I'm glad you're listening to the Compared to You show today. Today, my guest is my new friend Tasha Calvert, who is the director of women's ministry at Prestonwood Baptist Church. It's a huge church in Dallas, but she's also an author. She's a speaker. She writes lots of great Bible study content, and she has her own podcast called Digging In. Today, Tasha and I were going to talk about Esther, but we ended up talking about cheerleading. (laughs) And I think you'll love where it goes as Tasha shares her own personal struggles with body image issues and kind of how that's looked in her life. And then we do take a look at the book of Esther and Tasha shares three things that she found really interesting that you know i had never really particularly thought about before from that book i think you're going to love where we go today i'm glad you're here hey the course and coaching program the body image freedom framework is open for registration. You do not want to miss being a part of this inaugural group of this brand new coaching course. You guys, it's 12 modules, 10 group sessions if you do the group options, six individual sessions. And this is the lowest price it's ever going to be, I promise you. Um, I'm just kind of feeling things out on this one. But the price will probably have to go up. So if you're thinking about getting involved, please join now. Our groups start in a few weeks. You don't wanna miss out. Go to improvebodyimage.com and you can find out everything you need to know. Let's get going with today's show. the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Pasha Calvert, welcome to the
1: Compare to You Show. Oh, Heather, I'm so honored to be here. It's been fun getting to know you. Yes. Well, I had the great privilege of being on your podcast. Yes. And
0: um, and so we got to know each other a little bit, started our conversation, and I'm really excited to continue it today. Absolutely. Me too. Well, would you mind starting us off by telling us your story, Tasha?
1: I will. I will tell you, it won't take very long because I'm not not any big deal, but... (laughs) I grew up a pastor's daughter and, um, just quite honestly, in a little bit of a dysfunctional home, uh, everybody in my family was in ministry of some sort. And, um, this might, might surprise some of your audience. What that did to me was make me want to run the complete opposite direction. I had no desire to be in ministry whatsoever. Um, we had financial issues growing up. Um, I just kind of saw the underbelly of some things and, um, So, so in college and high school, if I ever met a guy that I was interested in and found that he was on a ministry track, he was automatically put in the friend zone. That was, that was a no-go for me. And I always tease that. um, I think the Lord was like, I, I wasn't calling you to marry a minister. I was going to make you the minister. So it's kind of like jokes on me, you know, but. Um, But, uh, so I graduated from college with a speech and communication degree. My husband and I met after college and went into business. He's a techie guy. He works currently for Microsoft and has been in the telecommunications world all of our life. And, um, I just, you know, always had quite a bit of ambition. At one point, I wanted to be a lawyer. I've always been drawn to communication. Um, You know, I was a debater in high school, coached a little bit in college, Um, just enjoy kind of being intellectually stimulated, if you will, and just uh the Lord just had to backdoor me into what I'm doing now. And so um always the funny thing is, even though I never wanted to be in ministry, I did always love the church, I was always able to somehow separate that the issues within the church were due to sinful people, not because the model was broken or there was something yeah. deficient in, in God. And so I've always loved God. I've kind of had a pretty steady linear testimony that way of just, you know, always wanting to serve Jesus. But I will say, I was completely ill-equipped and at some point my husband and I kind of came into a crisis within our marriage and the Lord told me, long story short, you can go listen to my podcast and our testimony when I share it, but the Lord told me to shut up. He said, let me deal with your husband. You be quiet for a little Mm. bit. And so I started taking all my words that I still had, all my frustrations mm. to God, and I dove into scripture. And I would say it was probably at that point in my life, you know, about 10 years ago, roughly, that I just, I mean, I got schooled. I I learned my Bible inside and out. I I I, I just grew in my sanctification, and um, it was you know not long after that that the Lord kind of backdoored me into ministry. I started serving on the work. I'd been on the worship team for forever, so I started kind of volunteering a little more. than the North Campus Pastor said, I really want you to come down and work for me. I was like, I do not want to work for you. I (laughs) do not want to be, I'm not going to be a secretary. That is, I'm not even organized. That is not, come on. I think you need to do that. And the Lord just used him in a big way to um, kind of redeem some of the image Mm -hmm. that I had about people in ministry, because whereas I had kind of never wanted to peek behind the curtain because I thought I knew what was there around the corner. Um, I got to see somebody very genuine, living out his calling in a very authentic and um, honest and pure way. And that kind of redeemed something in me. Yeah. And then at that same time, he started seeing some things in me that I think I had known were there, but I didn't really want to, to flex that muscle, if you will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so about a year and a half into that gig, I said, listen, you are doing so well, but I really, this is not my gift. I'm not, I I don't have what it takes to help you be super successful. And so I said, I'm going to go, you know, back home. I was writing fiction books at that time. I was like, I'm going to write, I'm going to do my thing. And I love you. I'm cheering you on, but this is just not for me. And about a month and a half after that, he called me and he said, don't hang up, but I'm going to offer you a job. And I said, Chris. I, I left a job. I loved, I was like, it was not you. I loved working with you. I just, this is not for me. And he goes, no, no, no. I want you to be the women's minister. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, absolutely not that. And he said, would you just pray about it? And so I prayed about it and talked to my husband, talked to my sister, two people who I thought for sure were going to be like, oh my gosh, no. And literally both of them were like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You you're already kind of the women's minister of your friend group. And, you know, and I was like, what? And so I just began praying and then the Lord put me in that seat. And, you know, however many years it's been later, I I'm the women's minister at Prestonwood Baptist church in Dallas, big, big church, two campuses. I'm over both. I'm recording Bible studies. I'm podcasting. I mean, you know, just things only the Lord could have done, not something I ever aspired to. And, um, certainly not something that I would feel super adequate to, to be doing not, not ever wanting to set myself up in that way, but it's just, you know, I've just kind of walked through the open doors that, that God has put before me. So that's, that's me. in a nutshell. I do have four daughters. I want to put that out there because we're going to talk about some things today. And I just, you know, I think it's important to understand that I, as a woman, but also as a mom, I've got two that are married, one that's heading to college in January, and then one that's in middle school. And okay. whew, I just am reminded to the moms of middle schoolers out there, <laughs> middle school is a whole thing. I forget every time it's a whole thing. Okay. It truly is. I just had this conversation
0: with someone yesterday. <laughs> it is. Oh. It, it's just middle tough. hard. Yes, yeah, it is. That's, it's a, that's a good reminder for us all. But what I hear in your story, though, Tasha, that I love is God took sort of a crisis in your life. And and that's what actually draw you, drew you even
1: closer to him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And that was not the first crisis in my life. Just mm-hmm. to be clear, we skipped over a lot of things. But <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> yes, yeah. it was finally. In fact, I remember saying one time, Heather, to a counselor um, who was talking to my husband and I, and he was um, just talking about things I had heard all of my life. Mm. And I started laughing. He goes, what, you don't believe it? And I said, no, I, I believe exactly what you're saying. I just don't understand why it took me mm. so long to hear it and believe it or right. employ it. And, yeah. um, and I think it did take that particular crisis to really help me hear some things with fresh ears and see some things with with you know new eyes that I knew but had just kind of become white noise to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit when I was on your show. I think there is a unique challenge around those of us who were raised in the church. Right. It it is like you said, white noise is the perfect way to describe it. Right. Like I know all that stuff. Now can someone give me the real answer? (laughs) Can someone give me a good answer? And and it's we We're so disconnected from sure. the truth as the real answer as the good answer sure. because we've just it's the air we've we've breathed but not necessarily in a in a way where we're
1: recognizing that it's actually our oxygen yes, yes exactly no that's that's very perfect exactly.
0: I'm sure though Tasha because of your story you've never struggled with body image
1: issues at all
0: <laughs> because you were in a bubble that kept you exempt from all of that correct right right exactly <laughs>
1: i'm so sorry i'm not going to have any help for uh, for you or your audience no okay and heather honestly i want to be i want to be transparent and tell you that i think your book was very illuminating for me looking at that because because if for whatever reason, I've always had quite a bit of confidence in certain things. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, the fact that I can get up in front of a room and talk has always set me apart in a different way, because a lot of people really struggle with, with having that confidence. And so I think what happened early on was I just decided I was never going to be cute. I was never going to be fit. I was never going to be the prettiest girl in the room. I was never going to be a cheerleader. In fact, it's funny. I always tease um, sometimes. I mean, you know, and you tease about things that that are actually mm-hmm. wounds in your life. Sometimes it's, it's a coping me- mechanism. But I have many times from a stage shared that in eighth grade, I was in a private Christian school and the only way I was down in this private Christian school was because my mom was teaching there and we got to go for free. So we didn't really have any money. Money was always a a point of contention. So I always felt um, just not kind of out of a fish out of water in, in fancy places, let's Mm -hmm. say that. (laughs) And so we were there, the class that I was in my eighth grade class, um, that's before you went to high school back then. So, you know, it used to be junior high. So I was in the junior high and we, we had a cheerleading team and mm-hmm. there was only, I mean, Heather, 12 girls mm-hmm. in my class. I mean, you know, like the whole eighth grade, it was, mm-hmm. it was small and I didn't make the cheerleading team. I was like one of two girls in seventh and eighth grade that didn't. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, I never expected to make the cheerleading team. I just knew Mm -hmm. that was not who I was and honestly would have probably never thought a thing about it. I wasn't super, super upset, but one day we were in the kitchen of one of my friend's house and I heard two girls talking about the fact that I had not made the cheerleading Mm -hmm. team And one of them said, well, aren't you kind of glad nobody wants to see her big fat legs in a short skirt? Mm -hmm. And I remember like that was kind of shocking to me because I just, you know, I didn't have like a super bad image of myself. Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't the typical cheerleader body, Mm -hmm. but, um, it, It stayed with me. And I always say like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm totally over it, but I can remember, (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm 50 years old and I still, I still remember how that felt. I still remember, you know, what I was, uh, where I was standing when it happened. I mean, you know, so. So yeah, there's just been it, it's been interesting to trace some of the things along the way. I was always super super modest and again just I, I assumed well that's just because I didn't want my body to be seen. I will tell you even even 2 weeks ago, Heather, my sweet little 6th grader that just went to middle school has to dress out now. She's this big tiny <laughs> cute as a button. And she said, "Oh my gosh, mom, it's awful we're all in the same room and we have to we have to change clothes and she said I just keep my eyes down and I just hope nobody is looking over at me and literally Mm -hmm. this is how my mind worked really you're uncomfortable changing Mm -hmm. but you're tiny because in my head I've just got all these false narratives Mm -hmm. that still to this day rattle around in there well you felt that way because you were Mm -hmm chubby or you felt that way because you weren't beautiful like the other girls and you know just noticing I mean I think I told you I don't I I think even in times you know like when we were talking beforehand I there's not at any point in any year right now included where I don't have some internal rule around food Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't I mean but again I wouldn't have thought I had body issue. Right.
0: You nor- normal. it's, it's normal. It's normal,
1: normal, right? This it's is what normal. everyone
0: does. Every,
1: everyone obsesses yes.
0: over food. Everyone is, is wanting to be thinner. Like that's a life goal that is
1: admirable. <laughs> Even yes. in church, right? Like yes. it's, it's just there. It's just yeah. there, and not even I don't even pay attention to it. Yeah. It it's not it's more a, that white noise. <laughs> it's white noise exactly. Right? Yeah. It's just sure you know. There's always got to be something I'm holding myself accountable to. Kind of yeah. helps you understand the Old Testament and the Israelites having to keep all those laws a little yeah. bit. That, yeah, you know, yeah. because I'm always from trying. the curse of the law now.
0: Tasha. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So why are we still trying to keep them all? I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, yeah. So absolutely. I mean, and again, I pretty confident person. i yeah. have to be on cameras way more than I'm comfortable right. being on cameras these days. And yeah, I'm just, it's in the back of your head.
0: Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that so much. I think your authenticity is really going to resonate with some women listening, because I think we do have this perception that the woman up on stage or on the screen, right? Has so much confidence. And that comes, you know, in, in part of that package is she's not at all worried about what her body looks like. And it's like, no, I think, I think you and I are twins in a lot of ways. Like I could have interrupted your story a couple of times and said, oh, hey, I was a speech major too. Oh, hey, I, I was going to go way. to law school too. And I have a cheerleader wound. I do you? I do. I actually left high school because of it. Because really? my, it was my um my junior year i was I, all of my friends were cheerleaders and there was an opening and and i was small private christian school mm-hmm. and i was going to do it now i knew that i was not the most coordinated girl <laughs> and right. was a little intimidated by that and I had been so shy. So this is, you know, like 10th, 11th grade, but like seventh grade, I was so shy that my teachers couldn't hear me speak audibly in class. Like wow. I, I, my parents would get called in for the parent teacher conference. They'd be like, we think Heather has all the answers. Like she's a smart girl. We just can't hear her when she speaks. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like least likely to be well, doing this or a cheerleader, but they, uh, my friends who were the cheerleaders were choosing who was going to fill the spot. And it was between me and one other girl and the other girl was a year younger, wasn't in our friends group who, you know, had slumber parties every weekend and watched the prince's bride all night long, you know, she wasn't one of us and they chose her. Oh, wow. And my wound was so big <laughs> yeah. that I was like, I can't stay here anymore. And I went to college early <laughs> because yeah. I just had to get out. And what I've noticed, it's just, this is a total <laughs> aside from where we were going to go today. But I think sometimes those words, like the words you heard and those wounds, they just keep resurf- resurfacing for us. Yeah over yeah. and over again. I mean, as I coach clients, you know, we'll talk about, and, and I mean, my clients, a lot of them are over 50 and we'll talk about like, well, you know, like what, what is it that you're still latching on to? Like, what, yeah. what are the words you can't forget when yeah. you think about your body? And they will quote for me something from seventh grade, eighth grade, elementary school. Right. And, yeah. and, and we'll have a conversation. It's like, okay, it's been 40 years. Yeah. And that person said that, do you even remember their name? Yeah. Like, do, do you know where they are now? Do you know anything about them? Like, and we kind of work through like, like, how do we separate you from that yeah. statement? Which in some cases, you know, like mean statements are mean statements. Right. But they're, they're pretty innocuous in a a way, right? The person saying them probably isn't like intentionally
1: trying to take you down for life. (laughs) No, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's so true. Well, and it's so funny because I can remember my oldest daughter and I, I don't think she would mind me sharing this, but she in, um, in our public school, now this was a little bit of a different situation because there were hundreds of girls trying out, but she didn't make the team, but she was like, there were two spots that girls that were moving took just in case their house didn't sell. And my big thing was, why didn't you take two two alternates? Because- they would have. And so I went up to the school and my husband laughs about this too, to this day, because I was just like, you know, this seems, this seems wrong that you're not giving more girls a chance. And, you know, I was prepared with all my stuff because I'm a debater. You know, <laughs> what we know is that kids that are involved in sports teams are less likely to have drug issues, less likely to experience, you know, underage drinking, less likely to have a teen pregnancy, all these things. Like if we really care about kids, aren't we trying to? to include as many as possible. Have you ever thought of having a JV team? Like all these things. I go in there and they, um, they said, well, have you ever thought about the math decathlon for your daughter? And I don't know why that set me off, Mm. but I literally (laughs) lost my cool with the principal and the administrators to the point that my husband is, you know, tapping me on the the um knee and he's like, I think what I think what Tasha's trying to say and I was like, oh no, I am saying exactly what I'm trying to say. And I and so we laugh to this day about like, oh my goodness, like there's just some latent yeah. you know, there's some yeah. stuff in there that I don't think I even really knew was yeah. driving some of that. And yeah. when I think hard about it, it has to be going back to what I experienced, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of one of those that's like, I can't stay down for very long. So, okay. You know, we're just going to have to move on and go forward. And, um, but your, your body and your mind keep score. Mm -hmm. They, you know, as much as you might be ready to just plow past it. Um, I feel like it just, it's been in there a long time.
0: Absolutely. Well, and also just the, so I think for people our age, Right, the cheerleader image is the image of beauty, right? It's it's kind of the image of beauty that was put into us, if you will, that we were conditioned (laughs) to respect, understand, and admire in like middle school or even elementary school, right? And and it's it's hard to let go of that. Now, I don't know that that's true as much for Gen Z. Like, I don't know if that's if it's the same dynamic for them at all. But I think for women our age, it's like, yeah, okay to be a cheerleader is the mark that you are good enough that you are, you know, pretty enough or fit enough or one of those things. And and it is interesting how, right. Our hearts want to know that don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. You know, the other night, and I don't want to belabor this because I know we want to talk about some other things, but the other night, um, my husband and I are mentoring a couple through our church and we're going through, um, we have a curriculum that we go through and then we end up talking and you know, whatever. And we just, we actually love this. It's just one thing because I'm so much in women's ministry Mm -hmm. that getting to do something with my husband is actually really fulfilling. Um, and my husband has always been amazing. He's never been somebody that's put any pressure on me um with my physical appearance and you know again that I was drawn to somebody that was not going to prioritize that i don't think is accidental because mm-hmm. i just i i've never been able you know that's just a standard i've never thought i could mark i never thought i could hit so mm-hmm. i just you know whatever my enneagram number whatever you want to call it i just <laughs> took myself out of that race mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but um the other night one of the questions was what are some of the first things that attracted you to your spouse. And so, um, we asked our little couple and they shared their things and then they asked us back, what about y'all? And Robert, like without skipping a beat said, well, obviously how, how she looks. And I, you could have blown me over with a feather, Heather. Mm. I mean, I was like, what? Mm. And I mean, again, he's always, he's been nothing but encouraging all of Mm. our marriage has always, I mean, you know, told me I'm beautiful, whatever. But that it came out impromptu to somebody else. Yeah. I just thought, gosh, 27 years in, and I am surprised that he really feels that way. Yeah. Again, it's just, I've not let myself internalize that. And Mm. I just thought, how interesting that. I that that he thinks that you know, right. and that he apparently really thinks that because it's what came out impromptu. Yeah. Oh, I love that you know, yeah. and um, so it's just yeah, it's just interesting what mm-hmm. what we have that the things we fight against internally in our right. heads because right. um again, I wouldn't have thought I'm struggling in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it doesn't feel like I struggle yeah. in that way, but it also feels like it's just kind of an area. I just have shut off because right. that's right. just, I'm not going to excel there. So I'll right. just be, I'll be smart or I'll know my Bible really well. I'll do all the other things. Cause that is not something available to me. Right. And so, I mean, really they're not, that, that's an identity. identity, right? It yeah. comes down to identity. Right. And it's yeah.
0: like, okay, I know I can't take my identity in that. <laughs> so, you know, academic yeah. achievement. Yes. That's where I'll, I'll, I'll put it, Yes, but I, yes. I, I, I love, I love the story you shared about your husband. And, and I think for a lot of the women <laughs> listening, that that's a hard area, right? Because, yeah. I, and, and, and this is how I coach women all the time, but you know, these men are in many cases saying you're beautiful. Yeah. Like, I find you attractive. I want to be with you. Like, I still think you're as beautiful as the day I met you. And the women are saying that is not possible because right. I know what my right. stomach looks like after children. And I know like, yes. that I don't weigh what I did on my wedding day. And, and, you know, I actually coach a lot of women to stop arguing with their husbands. On their yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah. just believe him. Like, don't right. tell him he's a liar. Just
1: right. Leave him. But it's
0: really hard
1: it's hard. believe him. And I wouldn't have said, I don't ever argue with them. Like I've yeah. just kind of always in my head thought, mm, yeah, whatever. And- <laughs> right. That's not important. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's very uh, interesting. It is. Okay. So, so then there's this woman in the Bible. There is. And, and all we hear like, well, I shouldn't generalize. I generalize too much, Tasha. Okay. That's all okay. I heard, I think when I heard the story of Esther growing up, I heard it as, this is Heather's interpretation Mm -hmm. of scripture, but it was like a Cinderella story. Yeah, This poor, beautiful woman is snatched from her poverty and taken to the king's palace and she becomes queen and she saves the people. And now as an adult, I'm like, no, this is like a traumatic
1: story. <laughs> Prima- seriously right? seriously, can I tell you so we um we did the book of Esther at Prestonwood, and we recorded it and we're um we're in the process of getting it on you version and so it'll be available cool. fairly soon for for anybody we can we always share our stuff, so it's already on youtube and and we'd be happy to share it with anybody, but we did it kind of cool. We did a reading plan, okay. and we read the whole book of Esther. Well, of course, I go into Esther assuming this is just going to be a fun one, this will be a great mother-daughter type of thing. You know, I love women in the Bible. There is so much in the book of Esther. There is so much, as you point out, trauma. Mm -hmm. Like that, I mean, what stands out to me on the flip side of teaching through Esther Mm -hmm. is not beauty, it's bravery. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, courage. It is God's sustaining power and presence mm-hmm. um, that got her through something that was very, very difficult. And there's, I mean, can I share a few of the yeah, things that please. like, like there's three things that please. I feel like were super epiphanies for me yeah. in the book of Esther. Okay. The first one is Vashti. Mm-hmm. So Vashti is of course, just basically shows up in chapter one and she is the queen. And I don't think I'd ever realized there had literally been like, months of feasting that had been going mm-hmm. on with King Hasuerus. Now it's easier to say Xerxes, but depending <laughs> on which, depending on which uh, translation you're teaching from, we were using ESV and I thought, oh my goodness, if we survive <laughs> trying to say Hasuarius or Hasueris, or I mean, you know, I'm impressed. and we had different women come in and read. It's so funny on the videos. If you go watch the videos, we had so many, we had different women come in and read the chapter because I'm really big on like God's word is the thing that changes, not my words. So mm-hmm. we read the whole chapter. And the poor women having to, you know, stumble through that. But I digress. So um, so he's he's like, you know, feasting for for just, you know. What seems like an eternity, and then this week, this last week of feasting, he opens it up to the whole like all the common people, so basically um, this is my interpretation. Everybody in the citadel is basically drunk, okay heather that's where that's where we find ourselves uh-huh. that's how the book of Esther opens is it is like a real rager, mm-hmm. and the the men are over here partying, and the women are over here partying, and the king in his drunken state says, "Go get the queen now. What, what commentaries would tell you and scholars would tell you knowing that time is he was likely going to parade her through this this thing without her clothes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she refuses. Mm-hmm. And I, so here's the thing, the first thing that really struck me about Vashti is like, I want to know more about her. Mm-hmm. Like, did she refuse because she was scared? Because mm-hmm. think about it. She, she may have been like, I will not survive going right. over there with all right. those drunk men right. i mean you have to think there had to be some types of things so she because here's the thing heather she knew refusing the king was going to have a consequence mm-hmm. and she knew it could have been now we're not told some people you know some some scholars and commentaries would would say she probably likely was killed, was killed. Mm-hmm. but we're not told that in scripture we're told that she's banished but you know she did know that but mm-hmm. I think just just my personal thought, I think she was more scared of what was going to happen if she went right. than she was of what what was going to happen if she didn't go, yeah, wow, and so you just already see, I feel like from the beginning, something I'd never thought of was this is an unsafe environment, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. Cinderella picture that you mm-hmm. have of Esther going into it, I don't know that that's how the women of the time would have understood it. We talk with our women a lot about exegesis and Mm -hmm. exegesis. When you're going through scripture is just basically trying to understand how the original audience would have, would have heard these words. Mm -hmm. I think Esther and the women of this time would have not thought it was necessarily going to be a great thing Mm -hmm. to, to be in the past. I think that would have been um, intimidating, especially now, remember, you cannot look at scripture through your modern 2023 mm-hmm. lenses but she she is possibly 12 to 13 years old. I was going to ask you that.
0: Yes, I had yeah. heard that before too. I mean, yeah. oh.
1: can I mean so just yeah. So here's where we are. Yeah. Just a time a, a period in time where women don't have a whole lot of agency. And then she becomes, and then, so, so then what is interesting is she gets, you know, she, she's in this like beauty thing for a year where they get the women already, and then they're presented to the king and she does become the queen, but she is the queen among many other concubines. So she is the one with the title. She is the, the, the fairest of them all, so to speak, you know, to keep our fairy tale analogy, but then there's lots of other women in there. So. You know, well, that's just uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: well, and and just from my reading of it, right, she was the fairest of the all, them all, but there was some extra help she got yes. as to what to do, right? So it wasn't necessarily that she was the most beautiful. She no. was taught how to act. And then there's the whole part of, okay, now picturing that this is a 12, 13-year-old girl when scripture says she had to please the king. Yeah, It wasn't just that yeah. he looked at her and said, okay, good job. And keep right. walking through. Right. You had to please the King. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh. No. And that's kind of where you see, um, yeah. yeah, gosh, again, and we have to remind people because the old Testament is hard. Mm. It's mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. especially with our modern day sensibilities. And, you know, yeah. you just have to keep reminding that this is something that scripture is, um, describing, it's mm-hmm. not something that scripture is prescribing. Yes, love but I will tell you what is encouraging is to see God's hand upon Esther through yeah. this process. Again, not a process that is a fairy tale, but a process that was obviously probably in some ways very unsettling. Yeah. Um in many ways, very yeah. unsettling. So what so, so she you, goes in there? Yeah, go for oh, it. Go I, was say, did, I was gonna say, do we get to your your number two yet? So, so that's where I was going to go. So the number two thing that I would see is that, um, that God's hand was totally on esther and there's so many different places you can see it but i just think in general the fact that he had provided mordecai you know she was basically orphaned and so she already had somebody who was of good character that was protecting her that continued to check on her she had the eunuchs that like you you have already said were people that were really kind of helping her she seemed to have favor and then the king when she becomes queen he basically gives the whole um citadel like this tax break throws this um this feast in her honor and so he basically sets her up to be well loved by the people and uh, which is very out of his character because he's a very wishy-washy guy who ends up listening to all sorts of bad advice and um so you just see god's hand mm. on her from mm. the beginning Uh, You see his hand on her and giving her wisdom when she has these, these banquets before the king. And then the last thing, and this is going to seem kind of weird that really stood out to me was sometimes you just need to go to bed. Mm There's sometimes you just need to go to bed. What is so interesting to me is after that first banquet where she has Haman Mm -hmm. and the king, she goes home and goes to bed. Mordecai goes home and goes to bed. The king goes to bed and can't sleep. And so God uses that towards Esther's advantage because, and Mordecai's advantage because the chronicler comes in and just happens to read this account from five years earlier where Mordecai saved his life. So, so all three of them are in bed. You know, who is not in bed that night? Haman, Mm -hmm. Haman goes home and sees Mordecai not bowing to him on the way. And it spins him out of control. Mm -hmm. And he tries to take things into his own hands. And he spends that night erecting this pole to impale Mordecai on, and then walks in the next day and ends up having to throw Mordecai feast. And I just thought to myself, when you walk with God, you can sleep. Mm -hmm. And I just think of how many times I have rather than chosen to trust God in something, let myself spin out of control, stayed up, burn the candle at both ends, (laughs) trying to me take care of things and how much more pleasant the lines Mm -hmm. and the boundaries are drawn when Mm -hmm. we go to bed and we say, God. I'm going to lay this at your feet because you know, you do not sleep. You do not slumber. You are Mm -hmm. always working things together for the good of those who love you. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that's so beautifully illustrated Mm -hmm. in the book of Esther. So there's a ton in Esther that I just, I had never noticed before.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing all of that, Tasha. Yeah. I wish we could just talk for another hour about this.
1: <laughs> but I know. But I
0: know that you've got these resources that are accessible, your brand new Bible study. So tell everyone where they can connect cuz I know they're going to want more of this. And and really anything else that you have to offer because w- women, we need to be in the word.
1: Amen. <laughs> we need to Amen. be getting
0: deeper into the word. And if that's an area you've struggled, use resources like the ones Tasha is
1: creating. To yeah. help you
0: get into the word and engage. So, Tasha, tell us where where we can find all the things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think so. The first place I would tell you is we put everything that we create um available for anybody, a small group, a church, whatever. And that is on our YouTube channel at Prestonwood okay. Women. And you can always reach out to us at Prestonwood. I'm T Calvert at Prestonwood.org and we'll send you all of the you know, study guides and discussion questions and everything. Mm-hmm. We give all that away. So anything we've done, we've got 10 or 11 studies out there. We do have some of our studies on right now media, okay. U version. We've got some reading plans. We're actually talking with some other platforms right now. So we've we've kind of got got our information out there. We're in some of the typical places. But then you can connect with me at TashaCalvert.com and uh, my podcast is digging in with Tasha Calvert and that's we drop episodes every Tuesday. And so mm-hmm. Um, that's always available for anybody. And so yeah, just any way that we can help. I'm Tiz Tosh Calvert, Tiz Tosh Calvert. I don't remember what I am on Instagram, but (laughs) you'll find me. You'll find me. I'll be easy to find.
0: Wonderful. I'll put all the links to all of that in show notes. Well, Tasha, thanks again for being on the show today.
1: Absolutely. It's been a delight, Heather. And thank you for
0: watching or listening today. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Compared to you is a part of the Life Audio Podcast Network. For more great Christian podcasts on every topic you can think of, go to lifeaudio.com. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free.
1: Is life feeling
0: chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.